The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Is such a dangerous weapon, especially down here. He's a big target. Fifth touchdown on the year. You saw Jake Rudolph, because no contain by Michigan, was able to roll to the outside. That made that throw to Fedorowicz so much easier than if he was held in the pocket. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook shows in this podcast. This one features Steve Batterson, who looks ahead at the Hawks' regular season-ending road game on Black Friday against Nebraska. You'll also also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Nebraska's Bo Pelini. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other reporters' notebook podcast this week with Susan Dank. The Iowa-Michigan game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Glenn Mason. We appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Friday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about the growth over this season in Nebraska's defense. They uh, uh, got hit with graduation a little bit, you know, especially at the linebacker position. They've had some really good linebackers the last couple of years and veteran guys. So they, uh, they've played, you know, a mixed match of uh, people, especially in the first part of the year. And I think they've really settled into who they are, what they are now. And I think, you know, if you look at them, you look at the last four or five games, they've really kind of found what home base is. They've had to make some adjustments offensively, as we talked about. But I think defensively, they've settled in. And uh, they've got good players. Obviously, the defensive end's really doing a good job. Their guys inside are stout, tough to block. And um, I think they've got the linebacker thing. They're, they're pretty settled where they're at there. And their secondary is really good. They're big, uh, physical guys that really cover well. And, you know, they're they're a good defensive football team for sure. Ferentz talks about his team's turnovers in the Michigan game and the ability to overcome them and still get the win. Typically, I don't survive a game four turnovers, and really it was, to me, three turnovers and two field goals that uh, didn't materialize. So, yeah, that's uh, one of the turnovers was a pick six. So those are, those are a lot of points that we, I don't want to say gave up, but, you know, it's not what you're looking to do. So to survive that, I think the one thing you can point to right right away is our defense gave us a chance to, to overcome uh, the, the parts that weren't so clean, and uh, they, they did an amazing job. But, you know, to, to plan on, you know, you don't want to put that in the blueprint for sure, you know. But, you know, it was a great job of responding to a tough situation. You know, I, I know this. If we turn it over four times this weekend, you know, nobody's going to be smiling coming out of the stadium. It just won't work. You can't do that. Ference was asked about his team's growth and whether that has been more on the offensive side of the ball. I, I'd say yes and no. I think, I think it was a team thing, really, because, you know, we, we were obviously uh, making it tough for ourselves and the offense 
uh, was sputtering a little bit, but you know the defense kept kept us there, and the special teams kept us involved too. So to me, that's that's one of the beauties of football. You know, I've heard this said before by a coach I really admire. You know, there's really nothing 50-50 in team football. Is rarely 50-50. You know, so if one area is struggling, somebody else has to compensate and help you help you get through that tough time. And I think that's really what took place. The defense gave us a chance to make it a doable game, and then you know we had a big play coming out of the half, and, and uh, you know right now, now you're right back in it. So that's what we were hoping to. I mean, everybody's hoping to do that if you're in that situation. But but this time we made it made it work, and so you know a lot of credit to go around. But it's yeah, that's a beauty of football. But it, it takes everybody collectively, you know, stay in the course, and uh, you got to keep playing. And, and we'll, we'll you know the good thing is I mean that's part of football. You're always going to be in tough situations. We'll be in them again Friday. So how do you, how do you persevere through those things and play through them without you know throwing away all the all the things maybe you believe are important? And Kirk talks about playing Nebraska each year now that it's in the Big Ten. Well, it's a great challenge first and foremost, and. Uh, you know, when they joined the conference, uh, not unlike Penn State joining uh, back in the early 90s, you know, you had a really quality football program and a quality institution too, but a quality football program to the uh, conference and a uh, traditional program. And, you know, I mean, you look at uh, uh, the record, uh, you know, in Nebraska, uh, Bob Devaney went there in the early 60s to what they did through 97. It's amazing. Like three national championships in the 90s. So, you know, that, that was quite a feather in the cap for the, for the conference from a football standpoint. And for us to, to have a challenge a chance to, to go line up against people like that. You know, it's it's a great uh, it's a great challenge, but that that makes our conference stronger. You know, it makes the competition stronger. It's probably not great for coaches and uh, their security, job security, but it's just you know that that's the nature of sports too. But it's made our conference, I think, a stronger conference. <laughs> Next, we hear from Nebraska head coach Bo Pelini, who discusses the impact of the significant amount of injuries his team has suffered this year. You know, the thing that's been odd for us is it seems like when we get hit at a spot, it's been, you know, one spot. Like you said, a D-line a year ago, and this year O-line and wide receiver. If it's spread across your football team, it's a little bit easier to, to manage when it's at one spot. Like, you know, especially the way we've got hit in the offensive line in the last couple of weeks, it's difficult. I think it'll uh, bode well for us for the future because it gives guys, you know, opportunities to get in there, grow, play, get some, gain, gain some experience. But uh, I think our offensive staff have done a remarkable job of, of managing ourselves through it. And, and really, there's been a lot of guys that, that have stepped up and, and really done a nice job. So you, I give, you know, you got to give a lot of guys credit where credit's due. There are some young guys that have stepped in and done a really nice job. Pelini was asked to assess the Iowa Hawkeyes overall. They're a physical football team. They're well coached uh, in, in all areas of the game. You know, they're sound in what they do. They don't, you know, it's nothing fancy. They just... Uh, they execute. They're very fundamentally sound. They're, you know, it exudes the the uh, the fact that they're a well-coached football team. Very sound in what they do. I have a lot of respect for them. I know that Kirk obviously is a is a guy that's been known for you know his, his offensive coaching and Phil Parker. I have as much respect for him as I do any coach out there. And and these guys do a good job. And, and the players play the right way. And uh, it's a tough group. It's a physical group. And, and they're very well coached. Pelini reacted to a question about whether he will be satisfied with another ten win season for the Cornhuskers. For me, no, it's not satisfactory. I expect to win them all. And and uh, and our our goal will remain as long as I'm head football coach here to to 
win a conference title and a national title. And uh, I'm not in the saying looking for reasons why or making excuses or anything else. At the end of the day, that being said, I like our football team. I, I like. I think we've overcome a lot. I think that uh, I'm proud of this group. You know, it's not for lack of effort, lack of toughness. Or, but I, I like. But do I? Am I happy with being eight and three? No, I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't. And if you asked anybody in our locker room, they'd tell you the same thing. You know, we have high goals, and, and those goals will remain high, and the standards will remain high as long as I'm the head football coach here. And Pelini talks about Iowa's improving and very tough defense. Going to run our offense and uh, and execute well. You know, they're they're a well coached team, and uh, it's a good defense. So we're gonna we'll have our work cut out for us. And but uh, are we going to try to recreate the wheel in five days? No, we're not going to do that. You know, we're, we'll have our we'll, we're going to do what we do. And I think we've done a pretty good job of moving the football around here. And, and we're going to have our, you know, our work cut out for us. We're probably going to have some young guys in there in a number of spots. And so, you know, you, you can't outthink yourself in a situation like this either. But at the same time, you got to give yourself enough bullets in the gun that, uh, to uh, give yourself an opportunity to, to play the best you can. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for the second of our two weekly reporters' notebook shows with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks ahead at the Nebraska game and more. Steve, as we head into the last week of the regular season, 2013 Thanksgiving week, a short week in terms of preparation for the teams, how about your closing thoughts on the senior day come-from-behind win for the Hawkeyes over Michigan? Kind of a- a, uh, a fitting tribute to to a group of guys who really bought into what the coaches suggested back in November a year ago when when they walked off that field after the loss to Nebraska and, and you know there was talk about uh, flushing that season and getting back to the basics and fundamentals and and these guys really bought in and, and uh, it, it paid off um, you know they they haven't lost focus they they've you know really compartmentalized uh, uh, things from one day to the next and and it's uh, it's been steady growth and and I think that growth is allowed what took place in the second half Saturday to, to take place. I was nearly done a 180 from last year. They're at 7-4 right now, 4-3 and three in the Big Ten. Have a chance to get to 8-4, and four, which would be a complete reversal of last season's record. Nebraska comes into this game on a roll in November, 3-1. and one. They're 8-3 overall, 5-2 and two in the Big Ten. It's the Black Friday battle for the Heroes Trophy. In a similar situation to this past Saturday at Kinnick, it's senior day at Nebraska. Yeah, 23 seniors will be honored before the game over there. So it's, it's a fairly large senior class. Uh, a lot of those guys aren't on the field right now. Nebraska's had a very interesting um, season here in terms of injuries. and It's a group that has hung together. Very likelihood of, of a, a fifth-year senior walk-on uh, starting at quarterback exists for the first time in his career. It's kind of a strange story, but this group has hung together and found ways to win games. They've, they've come from behind in, in three of those games to win and uh, that they've won in the last month. And, and uh, 
this is a team that uh, will be very resilient on, on Friday. Struggling earlier, especially on defense, surprisingly enough. And yet, as you said, they've come on strong now here. It did take fourth quarter uh, rallies to win those games over Northwestern and Michigan and Penn State. But in terms of this Iowa-Nebraska series, they've won five straight over the Hawkeyes. Iowa hasn't beaten Nebraska and Lincoln since uh, 1943. In fact, haven't beaten Nebraska uh, at all since 1981 when they did so in Iowa City. So a lot of people talking about the fact that this won't become a true rivalry, and the Big Ten's keeping it as a season-ending rivalry now for the time being, that it won't become a true rivalry until Iowa actually proves it can win some of these games. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's uh, you know that's kind of the mantra in Iowa City this week, and uh, the Nebraska players will tell you that Iowa showed up ready to play the last couple of years. It's been a struggle offensively both seasons, but uh, but the Hawkeyes uh, certainly have had a uh, have had their share of troubles with Nebraska, as as so many teams have over over time. And you know they, they've only won twice in Lincoln, 1943, and the other time was in 1918. So you know success doesn't come around too often when you're the opponent in Memorial Stadium. And uh, you know this is an Iowa team that has gone on the road and competed fairly well. Uh, they have three road wins so far. Probably the most impressive, uh, you know, certainly the win at Minnesota. But uh, uh, you know it's a team that won't uh, it will it will go over there and compete. They, they've shown that all season long, and and I think that gives them a chance to, uh, you know, maybe turn a few heads this week. Yeah, this is a much different Iowa team than the ones that lost uh, the last two head-to-head meetings, 20-7 to in 2011 in Lincoln, since they rekindled the series, and then 13-7 to in those awful weather conditions last year in Kinnick. In those two games, Iowa averaged only 235 yards in offense, and you would have to think that this game will be different in that respect. This is a different offense. Davis has more of his new scheme implemented, and, and and they've got a completely different quarterback in Rudock compared to uh, Vandenberg. But let's talk about this game defensively from Iowa's perspective first. The Hawkeyes come in on a roll. They've shown a lot of a substantial improvement over the course of the season, especially true for the defensive line. And I think the last two, three weeks, you're really beginning to see Iowa's defensive backfield play a lot better, too. Yeah, and I think some of that starts up front. I think that the guys up front have done a nice job of getting some pressure on the quarterbacks and you know, and really forcing them into into some decisions that, that have allowed uh, really the entire defense to work and, and I think that's uh, certainly a tribute to, to what Phil Parker has done and, and applying just the right amount of pressure to uh, get those quarterbacks out of the comfort zone and, and allow the back defensive backs to make some plays and, and do some do some good things. You know when you take a look at, it, at, at what they're going to be lining up against uh, you know this week it, it, it's kind of a patchwork offensive line. Nebraska's had some health issues up front that uh, really uh, have has impacted things in terms of, of just stability up there and, and really to the degree of even having enough players to practice uh, uh, with on a regular basis. Spencer Long, you know, a great guard is, is out for the season. Uh, you know, they've they've had, uh, you know, Jake Cotton, another another guard, is questionable again for this week. They've, they've lost a number of players up front and so it will be a uh, group that has kind of been fairly resilient, but they, uh, but they certainly are learning on the run. In terms of Iowa's defensive backfield, you especially have to like the play of Desmond King, a true freshman, got stuck in there early because of injury, and boy, Saturday against Michigan, he did a great job overall on Jeremy Gallon, and and he's just getting better and better as the year has gone along, too. Yeah, for a true freshman, he's really done a nice job, and he, he's had his two best games against the two teams from his home state, Michigan and Michigan State, and I, I kind of expected him to play pretty well on Saturday, and he certainly did, uh, against, you know, arguably one of the two or three top receivers in this conference. Uh, you know, that's a, it's a great starting point for him, and it'll be a great starting point for next season. 
season as, as Iowa looks to, uh, you know, formulate that defensive backfield. But, uh, you know, there, there's been some nice consistency back there. Tanner Miller is a kid that's had quietly had a pretty solid season at safety, as has John Loudermilk. And, uh, you know, B.J. Lowry has had his ups and downs and, and, and uh, been, uh, you know, a solid senior season for him. And, and he showed up ready to go as well last Saturday. Before we talk about Nebraska's running game, let's talk about their two receivers. Uh, they've got two pretty good ones in Quincy Anunwa and Kenny Bell. Yeah, absolutely. They've got in in uh, Quincy. They've got they've they've got a guy who's been fairly steady and fairly reliable all season long. And it's one of those situations where he apparently has been a little banged up too. But they've been able to kind of rest him during the week and use him on the weekends. And depth has been a uh, kind of an issue there for them as well. I mean, it's uh, you know one of those things that uh, it's late in the season. A lot of bodies are getting tired and such. But he he's a guy that's got you know he's got 44 catches as does Kenny Bell. And and it's they've been you know they've been consistent game in and game out despite the fact that they've been catching balls thrown by three different quarterbacks this year. The strength of uh, Nebraska's offense historically and again this year has been its running game. They have an outstanding running back in uh, Amir Abdullah. He's rushed for nearly 1,500 yards so far this year. That's the most in a season for Nebraska since all the way back in 1997. Nebraska's third in the Big Ten in its rushing average of almost 234 yards yet. Iowa's defensive strength is its rushing defense, and they're holding teams to an average of only 123 yards a game. This is going to be the interesting matchup in this game. I think that uh, you know Abdullah is positioned right now to uh, have a chance to to lead the Big Ten in rushing this season. Uh, he, he's been so consistent, topping 100 yards in, in all but I believe one game this year. So he's a guy that uh, you know has has been there game in and game out, and he'll be a handful for Iowa. He's uh, you know uh, you know not unlike uh, you know the challenge that Iowa faced a few weeks ago with Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin, but without the, uh, you know, the counterpart of James White there, that, you know, Abdullah is the guy in the backfield for Nebraska, and, I mean, he's had the lion's share uh, of the carries, and, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, he's toted it 231 times, and, and you know, the next highest guy on the team is is Imani Cross with, with 81, so uh, and there's no question where the ball is going to be going. It's just going to be a matter of, of bringing him down, and he's done a nice job averaging, you know, about uh, six and a half yards a carry. You mentioned the fact that Nebraska's really been hampered by injuries, especially on the offensive side. And they lost their starting senior quarterback, Taylor Martinez, earlier in the season. He's definitely out for the Iowa game. They're uh, kind of a duo of quarterbacks who've been coming in and playing. And since then, quarterback Tommy Armstrong, who's got more snaps than than the guy you mentioned, Ron Kellogg. But uh, Polini in his press conference this week talked about the fact that Armstrong's nicked up and might be questionable for the game, too. Yeah, it's been an interesting situation there. I mean, they're very fortunate to have a fifth-year senior in Kellogg around. He throws a very tight ball, a nice spiral. You know, has had pretty good success when he's been in there. He's the guy that threw the Hail Mary to beat Northwestern. He's a guy that he's an Omaha kid, kid that walked on there, really hadn't seen the uh, sniff of playing time, and kind of been the uh, the pat him on the back guy when on the sideline when Martinez would struggle or something like that over the course of time. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's been thrust into the spotlight and, and is in a position right now where it's very possible he could make the start this week and uh, if Armstrong cannot go. And Armstrong's a redshirt freshman. He's He's been in the program for a couple of years and you know, he's been solid and, and I, I think they've tried to use the two of them to kind of take the pressure off of each other a little bit and, and just let them go out and compete. And, uh, you know, th- this was supposed to be Taylor Martinez's season. He, he was, a, you know, fifth-year senior starting quarterback, a four-year veteran there, uh, was supposed to be, you know, amongst the elite in the Big Ten and, and he's a guy who's been hurt almost from day
day one in, in this season. He's made a few starts, but he certainly hasn't been 100% all year. And, and it, uh, from that standpoint, it's been a pretty disappointing season at that position for Nebraska. But Tommy Armstrong has put himself in the position where he's gotten some extremely valuable experience heading into the future. Uh, both very capable quarterbacks, and, and as uh, as uh, Kellogg, you know, displayed against the Wildcats, he's got a nice arm. He's, he's uh, you know, completed uh, you know 61 of the 95 passes he's attempted. So I mean, you know, he, he's got some ability. And uh, senior day in Lincoln, uh, what what a storyline that would be. Now, offensively for Iowa, they certainly showed resiliency in coming back uh, last Saturday against Michigan in that second half. And actually, it kind of mirrored the play of Jake Rudock. They also really showed some signs that they're developing some skill players, some playmakers in skill positions. Devon Smith had a terrific game. And against the Wolverines, it also looked like they made better use of three of the running backs, of the running backs as a whole, as opposed to relying on a beat-up uh, Mark Wiseman alone. And But Wiseman had a solid game. He looked healthy again. Kanzeri showed some real spark again, really helped out in that Iowa comeback. So it will be interesting to see how Iowa's running game and Rudock's passing capability, because he spread the ball around again to 10 receivers on Saturday, how that will match up with Nebraska's defense. Yeah, the, you know, it's going to be a, a situation where, uh, you know, Iowa's going to have to make some plays. They cannot afford to, to turn the ball over at the rate they did, you know, uh, last weekend, certainly, and, and hope to survive on the road. And Iowa probably, you know, should consider itself a very fortunate football team in, in giving up 14 points and still finding a way to, to win, uh, because that, that won't happen this week. And, uh, you know, it's a situation, I think, where, uh, you know, and Jake realizes that, certainly, and he, he has uh, continues to spread the ball around. Uh, you know, I do think those running backs are kind of getting more comfortable with, with coming in and, and out and, and uh, you know, working within the flow of the game and down and distance and that type of thing. And, and uh, you know, Jordan Canzeri con- continues to provide a, a nice spark, a uh, change of pace guy that uh, certainly has fresh legs and, and is starting to show his ability a little bit. And, and Wiseman uh, ran strong and powerful, as strong and powerful as, as that he has in, in, in nearly a month, uh, you know, last week. And, you know, that combination is, can be pretty effective for Iowa, and, and it's going to need to be against, you know, a, a Nebraska defense, which uh, certainly took a few hits earlier in the season. But, uh, you know, they, they limited Michigan to 175 yards a couple of weeks ago. So they're playing a little defense over there now themselves. So, uh, you know, probably a little better than what maybe their reputation is. Hawkeyes offensive line looking pretty solid at this point in the season. They really dominated play overall last week against Michigan. You have to think that Rudock's play, as well as the ability of the line to protect him in this game, is especially critical. Nebraska comes in here with 33 sacks on the season, second in the Big Ten, yet Iowa's only given up 10 sacks all year long. Nebraska also has 13 picks on the season defensively, fifth in the conference. Rudock's 12 interceptions thrown are tied for the most in the Big Ten. They're going to see one of the top defensive ends in this conference in Randy Gregory. He's, he's a kid that, that leads Nebraska in sacks. He's got eight and a half on the season and, and uh, is really positioned to become that next great Nebraska defensive lineman. He, he's a kid that's really blossomed this year and certainly somebody that uh, the Hawkeyes are going to have to be aware of from, from start to finish tomorrow on say, on Friday. Excuse me. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, this is a defense that uh, uh, much much uh, maligned earlier in the year as, as they were giving up yard after yard against opponents. And But they've really regrouped. It started up front where uh, former Iowa assistant uh, Rich Kaczynski is, is still the guy uh, coaching that line. And, and they've shown some growth. And, and it has been a, an opportunistic defense uh, in terms of creating turnovers. And it has been uh, an improving, uh, effective defense in terms of stopping 
developing one as of late, and it, and it will provide Iowa with a challenge. Surprising thing here in this contest, coming in, Nebraska is last in the Big Ten in turnover margin. They're at a minus nine. Now, Iowa's not a whole lot better at a minus two, but that's a big difference. The Hawkeyes won the first game all year where they lost the turnover battle in the Michigan contest. How important will turnovers be in Lincoln on Friday? Much like last year's game and really the year, the game the year before over in Lincoln, you know, defenses are going to dictate a lot of what happens this week. And, and I really think that they, uh, you know, the team that can come out and play a clean game, uh, you know, Nebraska obviously has had some issues in terms of, of with that, uh, in part because of the quarterback changes that they've had. But, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those deals that, uh, you know, if I would come out and play a fairly clean game, limit uh, limit drops, limit, uh, you know, interceptions, uh, they certainly will have put themselves in a much better position. Likewise, Nebraska probably needs to, uh, you know, to continue to overcome its own mistakes, too. And, and it will be another another fine, you know, another challenge for both both teams in terms of, of, of you know, making sure that they take care of the ball. I mean, that, that that's where this thing is going to start. And, and it, it's, uh, you've got two teams with uh, pretty similar numbers, uh, pretty similar ways of operating. Nebraska obviously played Penn State, a team that's built a little bit like Iowa last week. And, and uh, so they know a little bit about what to expect. And, and conversely, uh, you know, the Iowa coaches know a little bit about how Nebraska will probably approach things. And they'll have to tweak a few things this week, too, to, to, uh, to be effective. Having said all of this, then, what's your prediction? What are you looking for in terms of key matchups? Well, I, I think when you take a look at the matchups, I think you take a look at, at front seven of, uh, of Iowa against uh, Abdullah. I, I think that's kind of where it starts for me. You know, if they are able to do to him what they've been able to do to uh, to other uh, rushing offenses, I think Iowa will put itself in a pretty good position to pull off the win. If Abdullah gets going, you know, if he has 100, you know, 125, 130 yards, I think it's going to be pretty difficult for Iowa to win. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, Nebraska will like to play keep away just as much as I think Iowa would like to play keep away too. And, you know, the, the team that manages the clock fairly effectively, either through the run or the short passing game, I think is probably going to have a good chance to walk away with a win on uh, on Friday. As we close out here, this game could have a lot to say about bowl slotting in the Big Ten. The Hawkeyes at 7-5 and five versus an 8-4 and four Iowa team that has beaten, if they do so, Nebraska as well as Michigan. How much impact will that have? How big of a difference could that make for the Hawks in terms of where they might uh, be spending late December, early January in some warmer weather? Well, I, I certainly think, uh, you know, as many wins as, as a team can collect certainly helps. And, uh, you know, a lot will be determined on if the Big Ten gets that second team in, in the uh, BCS Bowls. And, uh, you know, that's going to be determined not only within the Big Ten, but also what happens in some of those championship games here in another week or so. And, uh, you know, that will have a say in where Iowa ends up. If, you know, if the Big Ten does land two teams in those in those bowls, then I think you've got a, a chance for Iowa to move up as high as the Outback Bowl if they can win in Nebraska on Friday. Uh, with a loss, I think you're probably seeing them slip down a little bit. And, and certainly if, if uh, the BCS Bowls end up just taking one Big Ten team, then I think you're going to see Iowa certainly, you know, fall into that Gator slash uh, Wild Wings type uh, scenario. And, and uh, you know, it, or possibly even the Texas Bowl, which they, they certainly uh, are interested in, in, in the Hawkeyes as well. Just one last quick question. At this point in the season, do you think it matters much that this is a short week and let alone the fact it's a holiday with Thanksgiving in the middle? Will that really change preparations for either of these teams very much or have much of an impact on the game? You know, I think that's really overrated this time of year. I, I think that uh, the only, this is a time of year where practices tend to be shorter. Uh, they tend to try to make them more efficient anyway. And this simply takes one day out of that mix. And uh, it, it gives uh, teams a chance 
chance to to kind of move on. Uh, probably the biggest thing would be guys who have kind of lingering injuries. It does shorten their week up a little bit in terms of preparing, which uh, you know certainly could be a factor for Nebraska this week. The training room over there has been a very busy place, and you know Iowa has a few guys that are are, are kind of nicked up too. Nothing too severe heading into it. It sounds like so. It, you know it'll be a matter of how quickly guys can get the fresh legs back up. You know back under them uh, following last weekend and and move on. Whoever move on, whoever's able to move on, the, you know the most uh, efficiently probably will put themselves in a pretty good position. Both teams coming in off a pretty emotional win, so uh, you know that kind of evens itself out too. Uh, it, it, I think probably the people who have to do the most scrambling at this time of year a lot of times are probably the coaches and putting the game plan together. To be honest, what exactly did you have in mind, Mr. Carlson? <laughs> what do you suppose he's up to? And I think I hear something now. Oh, something just came out of the back. Perhaps a skydiver. There's no parachutes yet. Oh my God! They're turkeys. Turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Thanks for that on-the-spot report, class. I thought it would work. It's pretty strange after that. I really don't know how to describe it. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. This is no gimme field goal, 34 yards into the wind. Remember what happened right before the half? The holder couldn't get the ball down in time, and they failed an attempt. Good snap, got the hold down this time, and Mike Myers' field goal is good, and the Iowa Hawkeyes take a three-point lead with 6.02 to play in Iowa City. Iowa down, coming back the second half, but now taking the lead, and they had four turnovers to zero. You know what that tells you right there? Great Hawk high defense. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast and that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.